Well, welcome. This is WNZN Radio coming to you from Lorain, Ohio. Very happy that you tuned in one more time. And again, uh, the uh, signal is often very strong, but if you're having a weak signal or hearing us, any distraction, distortion, uh, please just get us on your iPad, your iPhone, or Alexa if you uh, do that. Uh, we are 89.1 FM on the station, and that's uh, www.wnzn.com. WNZN.com. Okay, I'm here with my good friend David. David. Hey, John. Great to be here with you yet again. Another show, another yeah. show. We've had a really interesting lineup these past couple Boy, of weeks. Have we ever? People from literally around the world, David. Yes. Called in, and we yeah. had some really good interviews. And you know what's kind of neat? I, I was thinking is that you look at the world, or you watch the news, and a lot of trouble and chaos. Mm-hmm. And but there's like a whole subculture of news and what God's doing in the kingdom around the world. Yeah. Whether it's maybe parts of America. I heard there's like a mini revival going out in California now. Right. To what was happening in Southeast Asia. And then uh-huh. we interviewed Loretta in Africa. Yeah. And so there's a lot of good news going on. And people a lot of good get news. discouraged. Yes. And the, the big, big news, of course, we're going to talk about today is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That changes everything. Oh, boy. Uh, Does it ever. That is the keystone, <laughs> the foundation pillar of our Christian faith. And we yeah. just celebrated... Uh, Easter, I mean, Resurrection Day, and um, now I thought it would be appropriate. We really looked at the crucifixion of our Lord mm-hmm. last week, because just about it was on Good Friday almost, that yeah. we got together, and showed evidence and the impact of that and how that fulfilled prophecy. And today I thought our show, we would look at the resurrection and reasons to believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yeah. It, this is not... We're going to look at a minute. If there's no resurrection, there's no Christianity. Mm-mm. It just collapses. It sure does. And But there's reasons to believe. And especially if somebody's out there today, you maybe just tuned into this program, and you never really gave it a lot of thought. Uh, but I hope that we can put forth some reasons today why you should give it a look-see. Yeah. You know, I, I often say there's many people in the world today that are what I call, they just, they just have what I call unexamined unbelief. Unexamined unbelief. They don't look at the evidence uh, for the Christian message. It's yeah. really locked in history, yeah. in time, and it's also locked in prophecy in some other ways we're going to look at today. But we'll start out by looking at Luke chapter 1. Uh, I'm sorry, Luke is the writer of Acts chapter 1. He wrote the Acts of the Apostles. Yeah. But if you look, um, maybe, David, if you have it, Acts chapter 1 through, uh, verse 1 through 3. Sure, Acts yeah. chapter 1, 1 through 3. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Okay, thanks, David. So yeah. this is Luke. He's writing this. Mm-hmm. Of course, he, the previous writing was the Gospel of Luke. Yeah. And, of course, uh, he's writing this. Many think this is a rather wealthy man, this Theophilus. We're not real sure. Maybe he mm-hmm. uh, backed him financially to, to collate this book together. Right. Uh, with the Christian yeah. message. Theophilus, we get the word Theo. Means uh, God and Philios, Philos is lover, lover of God. So I like to think he's writing this to everybody that loves God, yeah. <laughs> in a general sense. Yeah. But uh, he says, 
until the day in which he was taken up. Of course, this is when Jesus ascended back to heaven uh, through the Holy Spirit, and uh, he gave commandments and teaching to the apostles. But the, the operative verse we want to look at is verse 3, where he says, to whom he also presented himself alive. Now he's on the earth for 40 days after his resurrection before he ascends to heaven. Yeah. He presents himself alive after his suffering, as crucifixion, by many infallible proofs. The, the infallible means certain, uh, without a doubt, uh, locked yeah. down, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, 100% guaranteed proofs being seen by them during the 40 days and speaking to them things concerning the kingdom of God. So that's what we're going to look at. Is there infallible proofs? Is there like reasons to believe mm -hmm. the resurrection? And if you are a Christian, I believe this strengthens our faith. Oh, yeah. It strengthens our faith. So this is what I call, there's a there's an unexamined unbelief, but there's also unexamined belief. Yes. And those are Christians. They know what they believe, David, but they don't know why they believe it. They don't know <laughs> how strong. Yeah. Therefore, it's more difficult for them to share it if mm -hmm. they're not certain right. of their own faith stance. Right. So let's go. To, we'll start it out. We'll kick it out. And we'll go to the famous, what's known as the resurrection chapter in the New Testament. And that would be 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Right. First Corinthians chapter 15. Right. And um, that is the, the key. Many call this, it's, it's actually put in a, in a, in a easy to remember for believers all through the ages. And they think this was like a creed. You know, we have the Apostles' Creed yes. or the Nicene Creed. This is like a, a way to remember the scripture. And the thing that we have to remember about First Corinthians, this is written really early. So it's really close to the when Jesus rose from the dead, mm -hmm. maybe 15 years. It's yeah. that close, yeah. okay? So if you look, he's going to give us what, what he's calling basically is the the, the heart of the gospel, right. that's verses 1 through 4. You got it. Uh, now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. Mm -hmm. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And Okay. Okay, stop thanks, there? David. Yeah. So here it is. This, these three verses are so powerful uh -huh. because... He's, he's writing to his the brothers, he's writing yes. to the believers, right. declaring to you the gospel. Okay, So he's saying, which I preached to you, which I also mm -hmm. received. So yeah. you think of it almost like a, a relay where you hand off the mm -hmm. baton. He received yeah. it from somebody. Now he's got it, and he's passing it off to the next group right. of believers. They've passed it down to the next one mm -hmm. all through 2,000 years of all these to where we're at today. Mm -hmm. And what we have to do, it says in Jude, verse 3, contend for the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints and we have to pass this on and we can't let it slip no. yeah like we can't say well the gospel will just do good works mm -hmm. or just love mm -hmm. everybody or these are good attributes don't get me wrong but that's not the essential gospel yeah and there's many denominations today are slipping on this because mm -hmm. they no longer recognize what the essential gospel is yeah and what is it he says by here's how important it is by which you are saved this is our salvation, he's saying. Mm -hmm. Hold fast. In other words, don't let it slip. The word which I preach to you, unless you believe in vain. And here it is. For I delivered you mm -hmm. first importance. Yes. So it's not just importance, it's first importance. 
that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins. There's the crucifixion. Mm -hmm. We talked about that last yeah. week. We celebrated Good Friday. He didn't die, you know, just a hero's death or a martyr's death. He died for our sins, for our salvation, according to the scriptures. And the scriptures in the Old Testament pointed to this time when the perfect Lamb of God will come and sacrifice himself yeah. for, our, for our salvation. Yeah. That's what it means, according to the scriptures. It just right. didn't happen, you know, one day. No, this was all prearranged. That he was buried, that's important. That in other words, he's dead, he's buried. Mm -hmm. and that he arose again the third day, this is important, according to the scriptures. Yes. So you're bracketed it in. It's not like somebody said this or mm -hmm. we think this happened. This is locked in there. We're going to see what the scriptures it's so important. It says your very salvation depends on you believing this. It, it says it all right there, Janet, is you brought out the first importance. You know, I had a lot of people that, you know, say to me that, well, this is just for Christians. No, it's for every person that has ever lived and for us today. Mm -hmm. It's not just scripture for the Christian, right? It, it's for it's for everyone can receive it. And, and I, I want to make sure that that comes across to the listeners, too, and that Christ died, you know, our our uh, our pastor said it uh, this Sunday that what we're doing there is we're putting together Christmas and Good Friday. Mm -hmm. That He is the Son of God. That that it connects the dots. Yeah, right. Right. So right. I mean, yeah. it was. I mean, let's face it. Jesus splits all of history. Mm -hmm. He splits yeah. the calendar. This is like, even if you're an unbeliever, you got to admit this is an yeah. important person we're right. talking about. Oh, here. heck yeah! But once you start as a believer, you mm -hmm. start getting into the scriptures and you see how. How much proof there is that your faith is indeed very real yeah and that's what we're going to look at and the first way is um is the eyewitnesses but before we come to that look yeah. what he says in verse 17 and 18 of this same chapter okay and if christ has not been raised your faith is futile you are still in your sins notice that and keep going you do 18 yeah. through 19 yeah. yeah then those also who have fallen asleep in christ are lost if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are all of people, we are all of people most to be pitied. You see that? Yeah. We're still lost. We're pitiful. Mm -hmm. It's like we're we're believing a, a fairy tale story. Yeah. Nothing, you know. Our faith saying, is a sham. It, it collapses. It, it, it totally implodes. It collapses. Yeah. The Christian faith is built on an empty mm -hmm. tomb. The Christian faith is built on an empty tomb. And he'll go on to give you reasons for that. Yeah. And, uh, it, one of the key ones, of course, back earlier in their same chapter, is what he says in verse uh, 5 through five through 8. And that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. So now we see yeah. the eyewitness accounts. Yeah. And eyewitness is very powerful in court. Mm -hmm. You know, people might say, well, they yeah. didn't see it. They thought they saw something that wasn't real. We'll look at some of these unbelievers suggest that it might have happened with the resurrection. But he's saying, not only that, he's also mm -hmm. saying some of them are still with us today. So yeah. you can go around. If this letter is written early... Within 20 years of Jesus' 
resurrection, well, there's people still walking yeah. around Jerusalem and, and Israel. You could go talk to them. They go, yeah, I was there. I saw it. He <laughs> yeah. says up to 500, right? Yes. So yeah. they tell their family, tells their family. Mm -hmm. And once you see something like that, you're never going to forget it. No way. You're never going to yeah. forget it. Yeah, there's actually a ton of scriptures where it goes through Jesus appeared after his death and it just lays him out. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's really hard to dispute the fact, especially when you have the 500. Um, you know, uh, J. Warren Wallace, uh, you know, he's a cold case detective. He was an atheist and then he got converted. Now he's a full-fledged Christian. And, you know, he talks about this in his book and the fact that if it was a conspiracy theory, there is no way in his mind it is possible to have 500 or so people keep to their story right spread all over the territory in the same day those yes. people saw christ right so you know he actually moves to that is one of the biggest things that drove him over the top to say this was the son of god especially with all those eyewitnesses and then the other big thing uh was that when he focused on the fact a lot of people said it was uh, the swoon theory where he we'll just get into was, those. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, we'll and, and then we'll get into that. But that was another big thing, the, the primary things that we can really hang our hat on. Yeah. Now, yeah. as we back up and look for the reasons to believe, that, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah. there's many. But one is Jesus predicted his crucifixion and his mm -hmm. resurrection. Mm -hmm. In John chapter 2, he says, destroy this temple yep. and I will raise it again in three days. And they thought... You refer to the temple in Jerusalem, it took like 67 years to build it. <laughs> but he was referring to his body. But yeah. there he talks about what? His death yeah. and his resurrection. Yeah. So he's predicting. Then if you look at the... He, he promises this idea of son of the uh, this adulterous generation looks for a sign. The only mm -hmm. sign you'll get is the sign of Jonah, who was three days and three nights in the belly of the whale. So he's making these prophecies... And then about himself. And then if you look at Matthew chapter 12. Right. Matthew chapter 12. I'll just look at a couple of these to lay yeah. groundwork. At verse 38, he'll say, um, uh, Matthew chapter 12. Then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. He Is that right? Uh -huh, keep going. He answered, A wicked and adulterous generation asked for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. And then the next For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of God will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. See, three days, now yeah, that he comes right. forth. Mm -hmm. So there you have, he's given that kind of uh, prophetic, mm -hmm. it's a prediction, yeah. but he's also looking back to Jonah and he's using that as an illustration. Yeah. And uh, we remember the story of Jonah. Remember he was on that ship. Yeah. It was going to go down, and the sailors were going crazy. They didn't right. know what to do. And he says, "He says, I'm, I'm the one. I'm at fault. Throw me overboard, yeah. and you'll have quietness. And, of course, Jesus willingly would become the victim that we could gain peace. But he would be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. He would be yeah. buried. Yeah. Right? Now, if we're, since we're in Matthew, let's look at Matthew chapter 17 okay. and verse 22 just for a moment. Matthew chapter 17, yep, uh, verse 22 and 23. When they came together in Galilee, he said to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him, and on the third day he will be raised to life. And the disciples were filled with grief. See how he keeps saying this yeah. is what's going to happen. This yeah. is what's going to happen. 
Uh, we'll look at one more in Matthew. Yeah. Matthew 20, uh -huh. verse 18. Okay, Matthew 20. Mm -hmm. 18 and 19. Okay. And mm -hmm. we'll, we'll hand him over to the... Okay, they will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. On the third day, he will be raised to life. There you have it. Yeah. Okay, he constantly is making these references. Yep. This is what's coming. Yeah. So, but he never mentions his crucifixion without his resurrection. Yeah. You notice that? It's very yeah, so I wonder why they were grieving because he said, then I will be raised. Well, they, they must didn't not have understood. It. Yeah, they just didn't believe it. That's sure. why even when he raised yeah. from the dead, mm -hmm. well, we're in Matthew, we can stay there. But they'll even say some of them just didn't believe it. I mean, it was a hard thing to believe. Oh, of course. You know. Of course. Uh, yeah. You know, he, but they he, saw him do miracles. They saw him raise Lazarus, right? Doesn't matter. I mean, uh, this yeah. is a no, I'm heavy just ass. thinking it out loud. It's a yeah. heavy lift. It is. Yeah. yeah. Not only that, he wasn't just dead. He was crucified. Yes. He was brutalized. Oh, boy. That's why it says at the end of Matthew, chapter 28, mm -hmm. verse 16, then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed to them. Mm -hmm. When they saw him, they worship him, but some doubted. Mm -hmm. See, some this is a hard thing. That's why Thomas, he had been with Jesus. He heard these predictions yeah. Jesus was making. He says, I won't believe it. Until when they I told him he's wounds. risen, yeah. i got to touch the wounds. Touch the hand. wounds, right. So in a sense, there's people today that just want more evidence. Mm -hmm. So we're going to try to show what evidence is available out there that they can look at. There's there's many different ways of approaching this. But the one thing we got to remember it's locked in history. Yeah. You know, who was the high priest? Caiaphas. Well, who was the who was the governor at that time? Pontius Pilate. Well, who came down from the north of Galilee? That was the governor up there. Yeah. It was it was Herod Antipas that interrogated Jesus. So you have these very exact places, like where did they have the trial? In the Roman Praetorium. Right. That's where they had the soldiers. Right. So it's not like a mythology. We'll talk about that. Far, far away, long, long ago. Yeah. You know, once upon a time stuff. Yeah. This stuff is like reading a newspaper. And it, it's hard. Critics have a hard time refuting that, especially yeah. Luke's accounts, because he's, he's so specific in time and place and who was the governor at that time, who was the names people, all of these kinds of things, and uh, with high detail. So that's one of the things we're going to see. So mm -hmm. he, rose, he rises from the dead, we know that, and he appears... Uh, to the to his the apostles. Yes. Uh, at that time, Judas is gone, of course. Yeah. And then um, the others are there. And like I said, if you turn to John chapter twenty, we'll notice that's when he comes and appears uh, in the uh, in the room where these guys are at, and he says, yeah. uh, "Chapter twenty. Right. That's where Thomas says he wants to see him. Yeah. I mean, he wants to touch, touch him, not wounds. just see yeah. him." Even though his friends said, yeah, mm -hmm. he's risen, he's risen, he doesn't buy their testimony. He says, I've got to uh, look at verse 25 through, 20, through 28. 25 so, through 20. so the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. This is when Jesus appears to Thomas. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, 
Put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Okay. Yeah. Now, so here, Thomas hears with his friends. They give yeah. him a witness. He has no reason to distrust them. Mm -hmm. But he says, I, I won't. He, in other words, he's saying, he said, that unless I see, he has to see and I have to touch. Yes. So it's not enough hearing. I have to see. I have to touch. And, of course, our Lord grants him that. There's many people today out there, maybe even listening, who might say, I need more proof of the resurrection. I need more proof that Jesus is alive. Okay. Then, then we know what happens. Jesus comes a week later. He says, Thomas, you come here. Touch. Take mm -hmm. your fingers. Mm -hmm. Touch my hands. Here they are. Put your put your hand in my side. That was the death wound when they, the mm -hmm. spear that was cast yeah. to the side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And that's when Thomas, this famous phrase says, my Lord and my God. Yeah. It's just, that's where John's gospel moves the readers to this point right here, where we might say, my Lord, and my God. But then Jesus says something very interesting. He says, he said, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not, not seen, seen and yet have believed. Yeah. So that would be us. That's us. Because we don't see him. He's ascended to mm -hmm. heaven. But we have so much evidence we have so much here mm -hmm. in proofs that we're looking at this morning yeah. uh, to say, hey, there's enough to tip the scale that uh, we do believe. And it would be, it, to do so, Jesus calls us blessed, which is kind of nice. No, it sure is. It sure <laughs> you know? is, yeah. So uh, let's look at a couple of these things. Yeah. Okay, number one, the first people that were there at the risen tomb, the empty tomb yep. that morning, were women. Yes. Now that's 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 really kind of interesting for several reasons, because women, uh, their testimony was not weighty. You know, they yeah. didn't they didn't trust women that much. It says, in just that same chapter twenty of John. Yeah. Now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early. It was still dark. She saw the stone had been taken away, mm -hmm. and she ran and came to Simon Peter. They have taken him away. Uh, then further down there, in verse 11, it says, uh, Mary stood outside the tomb weeping, and as she wept, uh, she saw two angels in white sitting there where the body of Jesus is. It said, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. These angels are saying this to her. And when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know it was him. And, of course, you know, she says, Lord, you know, she just can't believe it. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And then it, verse 18, she says, Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. So uh, the, yeah. what these women mm -hmm. see, the, they think, okay, the women are going to be emotional. They're just hysterical. They're yes. not... If the, why if we were trying to make this up, you know, yeah. we just try to start a religion. If the apostles right. wanted to get, uh, you wouldn't have women being the ones. You'd have Joseph of Arimathea. He yes. owned the grave. You'd have Nicodemus. He was a respected guy. Uh, maybe you'd have Peter being the first one or John. But you have these women, and this is what's known as the principle of embarrassment, where you put things in here that really sound real, mm -hmm. but if you were just fabricated, you wouldn't do this. No. You, you know, you make yourself look better. You wouldn't have Peter yeah. being frightened by a little servant girl as he warmed his hands mm -hmm. by the charcoal fire and mm -hmm. denying 
Jesus three yeah. times. You wouldn't have Thomas, who had been with Jesus for three years, saying, I can't believe he rose from yeah. the dead. See, it's called a principle of embarrassment, right. which suggests they're not making this up. No. They're just telling you this stuff straight up. Yeah. Um, there's no way they would have listed women seeing him first because, you know, they weren't, uh, their testimony wasn't even admissible in court, John. And so, you know, it, it, to your point, um, and even J. Warren Wall says this, you know, they just, they just wrote down what they saw and experienced, mm -hmm. period. Yeah. I mean, you know, up to yeah. this time, these guys right. are pretty frightened. Right. Oh, because, I mean, yeah. <clears throat> number one, yeah. this is not home territory for no. these guys. They're in Jerusalem. That's 130 miles north, south of mm -hmm. Galilee. <coughs> so it's not their place. But nevertheless, it's uh, where they're going to put headquarters for the early church. The very spot where the Messiah was killed. The yeah. very spot where his trials were. You know, before this, they were frightened. They yeah. were really frightened guys. They're in locked rooms. Like I said earlier, Peter's going to be frightened by this little servant girl and says, well, are you one of his disciples? Mm -hmm. And he adamantly says, no, three times, three times. And then the cock crows. So yeah. they're not like, oh, you know, we're going to be part of this great revolutionary movement. They weren't like that at all. No. If, if Jesus had died on that cross, mm -hmm. uh, they would have packed their bags and gone home. Yes. If that was it. Because there yeah. had been other uh, leaders that came and gone in uh, mm -hmm. that time in Israel. They were like... Uh, they might be leading a revolt. They might have said they were the Messiah, false yes. messiahs. But they usually got killed. Yeah. <laughs> and then the, their little group would disband and go back to normal right. life again. exactly. But what turns and transforms these guys? Yeah. This is the deal. Mm -hmm. This idea of transformation, that's another thing. We looked at principle of embarrassment, but also you have this idea of mm -hmm. transformation. Yeah. Why were these guys transformed to that effect? And there's again, there's no reason for them to lie or to come up with a, a kind of fictional story to try to right. keep this story going forward. When they come out on Pentecost in chapter 2 of Acts of the Apostles, they are just, they're just on fire, man. They're on and fire. They're, you know, and they're, they're preaching from the Old Testament, as you can see in Acts chapter 2. Yeah. He, he, they come out, and they're saying, Peter, verse 14, stands up. He says, men of Judea and dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and take my words. He says, verse 22, Men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested God to you by miracles, wonders, signs, which God did through the midst as yourselves know, being delivered by the determined purpose of foreknowledge of God. See, it was God's plan. You have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up. See, all, all their sermons have the crucifixion and the resurrection. Mm -hmm. Uh, this, what I'm getting at is there's a consistency of messaging. Yes, right. They don't veer off and now you keep morals, mm -hmm. avoid idols, right. don't do this. They'll get that later in teaching epistles. But their main message is death, resurrection. Yeah. Death, resurrection. It's all consistent. All yep. the sermons mm -hmm. here, which means they never get off point. Because yeah. they were so... They were so intensely moved mm -hmm. by this experience, mm -hmm. they can't get away from it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, the resurrection, I think, was the key um, to the firestorm, right, John? Mm -hmm. A lot of people said it could have been hallucinations, but it's extremely improbable, especially... I mean, that could have been the case with the women who first encountered Jesus, you know, because they, they had immense grief, you know, and it was just them. But when you take a look at all the people... 
that saw him over those 40 days. It's, it's just not a reality to think it was hallucinations. Oh, no. no hallucination way. is... Yeah. Like, if, if, some, if, if someone had their favorite grandmother died, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And then they have a dream about her, okay? Or they might even say... They might have gone over to her house right. and they see where she used to do the cooking mm-hmm. and all that. And they say, oh, I, I thought mm-hmm. I saw her. Yeah. You know, kind of a, it's kind of a momentary mm-hmm. flash. Uh, that's a hallucination. You're talking about somebody that's yes. talking to them, walking with them, yes. eating with them, mm-hmm. saying, touch me, feel the wounds. Uh, this is real, real stuff. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that, it's life-altering. Yep. For example, when the Titanic came sunk which is yeah. they're going to sell the this that was three days from now it's the 15th of april yeah when the titanic sank the lifeboats were launched i think 750 people were saved okay yeah and they're uh it's at night you're in the you're in the north atlantic mm-hmm. and when they were finally rescued they talked to these guys these men women right. all these people that's and some say well the, the, when the Titanic went and went straight up and went straight down in the water. In other words, others said, no, yeah. it went at a 45, and it slid down in the water. And a couple even said, no, it went up, but then it broke in the middle and went down. Yeah. They had all a little different take on it, right? Because yeah. because where they were in terms of distance, what side of the ship they were on, could they see it well because they were in a crowded lifeboat. But 100%, you know what they all agreed on? Yes. <laughs> what? The Titanic yeah, went down. that's right. Okay? Yeah. So on uh, these different stories about the resurrection, yeah. they all agree on this. Jesus was dead, yeah. and now he's alive. And, you know, one of the key ones I wrote down, too, is the case of Saul of Tarsus. There is no way... This this guy was a murderer of Christians, right, John? Oh, yeah. When you take a look at Acts 9, 3 to 5, um, and as Saul traveled, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven... Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. So even a guy like that was transformed overnight after that happened. And he was one of the greatest uh, disciples. Oh. His name was changed to Paul. And um, But yeah, th- that one is important that I wrote down. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, again. He was, he, he was a... He murdered Christians. That's he, what he did. He was there when yeah. Stephen was killed. He was going to Damascus to get mm-hmm. more permission slips to arrest Christians. He even talks about that in one yes. of the letters about how he was dragging them out of homes mm-hmm. to cast them into prison. Now, when he encounters Jesus, it's very interesting in Acts chapter 9. Yeah. And he's commissioned there. Remember, he's blinded. Yes, uh, for, and, and for three days. Exactly. It's three days. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. so you said Acts 9? Yeah, and, he, he re, and then immediately it says at verse... 18, immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales. He received his sight, rose, yeah. and was baptized. Uh-huh. Then uh, it says immediate, verse, this is interesting. Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogue that he that Jesus is the Son of God. <laughs> then all who heard him were amazed. Is this not the, the one who destroyed uh, those who came uh, to Jerusalem? That uh, is mm-hmm. the believers. But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded by the Jews who dwelt at Damascus, proving that Jesus is the Christ. He just got saved. No kidding. Now he's operating yeah. as an evangelist because why? The scales fell. Yeah. See, when the scales yes. fall off your yeah. eyes, yep. you can see clearly yep. that Jesus is the one. And, and this yep. happened. We'll mm-hmm. just sidebar on this a little bit, how this mm-hmm. works. But if you look at 2 Corinthians, just for a moment, I just want to, since we're on this point, I just want to show how this thing works. Second Corinthians, yeah, chapter 
three. Now he was he was a Jew that was a uh -huh. Jew. I mean he was he even boasts about it. You know yeah. he was taught he was a rabbi, but look what it says here mm -hmm. in uh, you know how this applies to Paul. Second Corinthians chapter three, right, um, verse thirteen and fourteen. Okay. We are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull. For to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. So he's saying here, he's using the transfiguration of Moses when he put a veil mm -hmm. and they couldn't look at his face. But he's using that in the sense that the Jewish minds are now blinded um, they, they can't put it all together, but when is it lifted? When can they understand the Old Testament? When they turn to Christ. That's what he just did. Look at the next verse says. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken There away. it is. Yeah. You see, he yeah. turned to the Lord, mm -hmm. and the veil goes up from his mind and his heart. Now what's he preaching right away? Yeah. Old Testament. Hey, John. I wouldn't be on this radio show if the same thing didn't happen to me. It's all of us. I mean, because, you know, you take a look at the way I was spending my time, uh, you know, on my own entrepreneurial endeavors. And to me, early, prior to this, this would have been a waste of time. Mm -hmm. Time that I didn't want to commit to something like this. Yeah, so right. it's totally different. I, I'm not, you know, anywhere close to these disciples and what they did <clears throat> and how they're living their life. But... You know, anybody can be transformed like this. Yeah, it's the anybody. encounter with the yes. risen Christ. Mm -hmm. That's the critical issue. But we yeah. see this idea of transformed yes. lives, like you said, yeah. David. Now, this is going to go to the whole thing in terms of transformation. Mm -hmm. Even cynics and critics of Christianity all say this. Something happened in that first century. Mm -hmm. There was an explosion. Yes. There's something happened. The first 300 years were incredible. Incredible. Yeah. And again, these these yeah. were men and women who were not highly resourced. Mm -hmm. They they certainly weren't weaponized. They didn't have mm -hmm. uh, weapons. They weren't leading raiding parties against villages and caravans. They they really were speaking a message of love. They yeah. really were going all through the known world, but they were saying, we met the risen Savior. He wants to give you this new life. So you have this explosive expansion day of Pentecost is, is 3,000, and then you yeah. have 4,000, then they keep going wider and wider, like throwing a big rock into a pond. You know, the concentric circles are widening and widening. So if you were an investigator, and you were to investigate where there's an explosion in a building or a fire, yeah. what you want to do is to get as close as you can to the source. You don't want to necessarily start on the outer limits and try to figure out, well, how, what kind mm -hmm. of fire, what this mm -hmm. shrapnel, why did, was you get the closer and closer to that ignition point. You yes. look at, how did this start? Where did this start? Mm -hmm. We come back to what? An empty tomb. Yes. It's an empty yeah, tomb. The resurrection. It never changes. No. And so then, then it makes sense. If you've mm -hmm. seen that, your own life doesn't mean anything it anymore. Because you no. know it's yeah. like this and you're gone. Mm -hmm. And so here we have this idea, this explosive yeah. growth. So that's it. Uh, we're going to look at a couple other things. But yeah. number one, Jesus predicted or prophesied his yes. coming crucifixion, betrayal, resurrection. We've seen that the transformation of somebody like uh, Paul. You know, I mean, he was transformed, and he mentions that even in First uh, Corinthians 15, that the brother of Jesus, James, was not a believer, but after the resurrection, he was. 
he became a very strong believer. As a matter of fact, yeah. he would be a leader in that early church, and he would then uh, go on to write the letter of James. Right. Yeah. So he wasn't a believer at that time. So this, mm-hmm. this, this ability to transform lives, starting at the very beginning, now we see that all the way down till today, like you just yeah. said, David, in your own life, in my mm-hmm. life. Yeah. Uh, you go into churches, into prisons, into... Uh, Chuck Colson's an example. He was a he right. was a rough and tumble guy when he worked. He was part of the Hatchet Squad at the White House. You know all this, you know, stealing secrets and all that. He goes to prison, a federal prison. He gets saved. His life is transformed. Yes, and he will, by God's grace, create the biggest prison ministry in the world today. Yeah. Well, what changed though? Yeah. Uh, I, I wrote something down here. I'm just going to read it. It's a paragraph. Good. And I did some research. The New Testament describes a remarkable and enduring transformation of 11 of Jesus' disciples. These frightened, defeated cowards after Jesus' crucifixion soon became bold preachers and in some cases martyrs. They grew courageous enough to stand against hostile Jews and Romans even in the face of torture and martyrdom. Such amazing transformation deserves an adequate explanation for human character and conduct does not change easily or often. Because the apostles fled and denied knowing Jesus after he was arrested, their courage in the face of persecution seems even more astonishing. Almost done. The the disciples attributed the strength of their newfound character to their direct personal encounter with the resurrection of Jesus. I like that. Who wrote that? Um, I, I, this was in some of the research I did. Yeah, I like the great yeah. one. Yeah. Um, very good. I mean, yeah. there you have it, the transformation. Yeah. I mean, that's rather consistent. And you don't get you don't get writings from any of no. these early followers no. that deny him. You right. know, they don't yeah. the, a letter from uh, John Mark mm-hmm. or a letter from Peter denying yeah. this. They, they stuck true mm-hmm. to the story. And once you meet somebody that really believes in what they believe and, and to believe in something like this is just phenomenal. Yeah. So that's a big one that transformed lives. Gotcha, yeah. The explosive growth of the early church and how it just continued. The other thing is when you consider the Christian faith, it's really not in a lot of ways, it's not highly ritualized. But what mm-hmm. the two things we do have is number one, communion, the Lord's Supper. Yes. Well, what does that tell us about his death? Because yeah. this is the body shed for you. Mm-hmm. This is the blood. I'm sorry, the body broken for you. The blood shed for you. But what's the other uh, ordinance we have is baptism, yeah. where you're what buried, yes. a, a type of burial, and then you rise up. Yeah. So you have this crucifixion, his death, and his um, resurrection installed into the early communities, the church communities, that they would never forget these basic things. Yeah, and, you know, actually, that's the other thing I I wrote down, John. What you just said also, um, hang on a second, let me find it here. Okay, so, here you go. So this is in John 19, 31 through 34. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus, and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. Okay, so, you know, I, I, what that solves is the fact that he was dead. Oh, yeah. you know, those Romans are not just going to pass over somebody that they are they are trained um, 
clearly, they, they know how to kill people, and they know when people are dead. But the thing that's amazing is when they said a sudden flow of blood and water, that, that science wasn't around back mm-hmm. then, where you, would, you could tell somebody was dead. But isn't that also a sign to what you just said about his blood frees us, and then the water co- comes over us? And baptizes us. Is there any symbolization well, you, um, to that? No. The key, the what, what I mean by the uh, communion, Holy Communion, yeah. when Jesus takes the bread, He says, yeah. "This is my body broken for you." Right. And of course, the, the wine. Yeah. The, yeah. This is the bloodshed. It's, yeah. it's the elements, you know, okay. of His death. But the elements of His resurrection mm-hmm. is that idea of baptism. Mm-hmm. You know, that you're going to be baptized, go under, yeah. and then. You're in the murky yeah. waters, dark, right? And then you come out into the bright, sunny day, so to speak. But newness of life. Why are those two things, his death and his resurrection, right there in the uh, very yeah. elements of the community of a church? Yeah. Now, here's how Peter's going to start using the prophecies. And we'll touch on this a little bit. Uh, then we'll touch on some other, uh, look at some of them. How other try to explain what the resurrection happened. That's when we're going to get into these different theories. Okay. But Peter will say in one of his first sermons... Um, where are you? Uh, Acts of the Apostles. Okay. Uh, he says, and he stands up. He's got very, a lot of courage now, Peter. He's yeah. very bold. Yeah. And he says something very interesting in verse 29 of chapter 2. 29 through um, 31. Okay, 29. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet. And knew that God had promised him an oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Let me read 32. Yeah. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnessed. Oh, he says a lot of heavy things here. Yeah. Number one, he says men and brothers. He, yeah. He's not, you know, he, he says, come on, let's talk about this, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Let me speak freely to you. The patriarch David, that's King David, right? Mm-hmm. He is both dead and buried. All famous people have really kind of renowned burial places. Mm-hmm. If you yeah. go to the Medina in Saudi Arabia, that's where Muhammad's buried. You can go in China where uh, the city of Jing Sing mm-hmm. is uh where Confucius is buried, et cetera, et cetera. It just it is. And that's the thing yeah. with David. There's his tomb. He's saying, it's it's with us to this very day. Now, David, being a prophet, in other words, he's under the Holy Spirit when he gets this knowledge, he knew that God had sworn with an oath to him that the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up uh, the Christ. In other words, they knew one day there was this son of David that's going to have this eternal throne. Mm-hmm. That's why people often call Jesus, they call him rightly, son of David, yeah. right? He yeah. says, he foreseeing, it's in the future, spoke concerning the resurrection of Christ. He's going to quote from Psalm 16, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh, flesh see corruption mm. or the grave, okay? And he says, so he was only there three days and decay didn't set in. Mm-hmm. So he's saying, David's body's over there. Mm-hmm. Who is this? This is the Christ. What does it say then? Jesus Christ is raised. God raised him up, which we yes. are now all witnesses. Amen. So he's starting to use the Old Testament to make his case mm-hmm. for the person of Jesus Christ. Now I want to look at this uh, 
A uh, couple more and then I want to go to some of these uh, where unbelievers will say, maybe this happened and maybe that oh, happened. Yeah, well, yeah. It doesn't it just doesn't fit the bill. All right. Um, let's we and last week we looked at Psalm twenty two, which was one of the verses or if you will, uh, last things Jesus would say yeah. on the cross where he says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But that's that's the opening verse of Psalm twenty two and then Last week we went through all of these things of a uh-huh. man being crucified. He um, he's on a cross. But, yeah. But this is interesting, David, because uh-huh. when you get to verse twenty-two, the the speaker here that was just gone. You know, he's poured. Mm-hmm. He's been poured out like water. They nailed me to my hands and my feet. Yeah. Uh, all of this kind of stuff, and they gambled for my robe. Clear indication of our Lord Jesus on the cross. But notice verse twenty-two. I will declare your name to my brothers. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. Do you see how it starts lifting up now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this idea, I will declare your name to my brethren. You know, there's only one time in the Gospels where Jesus calls his followers brothers. You know when that is? When he meets Mary in the garden after his resurrection. And he says, go tell my brethren, mm. I'm risen. That's what it says here. I will declare your name to my brethren. Wow. You see? In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All that is said. See how it's uplifted now? Then he says, uh, uh, verse 25, My praise shall be of you in the great assembly. I'll pay my vows for those who fear. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him will praise the Lord. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before you. That's why we're sitting here today. Yeah. We're one of the families. We're one of the nations. This is good. See how it lifts people. up. You see how it <laughs> lifts is, up. Yeah. It goes from the crucifixion, yes. and now it's lifting up. It it is good news. It's very powerful. It, it, you know, it, and it also goes back to even in Genesis, where God had a plan from day one. Once the sin occurred with Adam and Eve, exactly, His Son was coming. Yeah, it was coming. And, and, and we, He has defeated the enemy. That's that's the big thing to get out of this too. <laughs> Not only is it the foundational pillar of our faith, but also the fact that we have Jesus won the war. Exactly we're right. We're still going to have suffering while we're on the planet. He told us that, but he won the ultimate war. That's why we now are no longer dead in our trespasses. We now have eternal life exactly. if we follow him. Yeah, exactly right. All right, so let's. there's a couple we just put out there, reasons yeah. to believe. Again, fulfillment of prophecy. Uh, transformation of the early believers, even right. to the point of death, they would never again deny mm-hmm. the resurrection. Um, the idea that Jesus predicted his coming crucifixion and his resurrection, the explosive growth of the first century church, the idea you they're saying things in here that that seem like they're not made up, like the women were the first to go to the yeah. empty tomb, or Peter's denial when the little girl, servant girl, says, aren't you one of his disciples? Thomas a disciple of doubts him. You know, all of these things suggest it's real. It's not a yeah. made-up story. Now, here's some of the ones you mentioned: the swoon theory. Yep. These are what unbelievers try to when they explain <laughs> the resurrection. You could describe that, David, if you want. Well, so well, John, if you have it, go ahead because um, I actually didn't bring, okay. didn't bring my one document with all those. Swoon theory is yeah. this idea that Jesus didn't die on the cross. That he simply went into like a coma-like state. Mm-hmm. He was unconscious, okay. yeah. and then he was later revived. Yeah, and then this yeah. was put into a into a book in 1969 by a man named 
a Yu Shunfield. Yu Shunfield. Yep. I think it was later made into a movie called a Passover plot. Yeah. But it just doesn't hold. Mm-hmm. I mean, if if Jesus right. was tortured and he was brutalized and he was scourged and he carried the cross and he was nailed, his hands and his feet, he's crowned with thorns. And he's on that thing for six hours, and then they stab him in the side with a spear. Yes. How does he come yeah. back as the victorious Christ? Yeah. You know, no so way. that nobody yeah. hardly holds that. I'm just putting that out there because that was one of the explanations, and it was known as the swoon theory. The other one we touched on is hallucination. Mm-hmm. All the apostles hallucinated. They right. really wanted to see him. Uh, they, they missed him. They loved yeah. him. They were grieving, and they were highly susceptible to a dream or an apparition, or but it, again, it just doesn't. There was too way. many people that saw him over he's the forty eating days. with them. He's, yeah. They're touching people him. People touch them. Touching yeah. him. He's speaking with them. He's walking with them. Mm-hmm. He makes the fire on the shore of the galley when he yeah. gives the miracle of the fishes. You know. Mm-hmm. So again, we could expand on these, but I'm just trying to hit the hype. The other was now this. This is what's called the substitution theory. Now, this was what, you know, if you study the Quran, the, yeah. the Islamic book, the Quran, chapter Surah 4, chapter 4, verse 157, said Jesus was not crucified. But it looked like he was crucified. Mm-hmm. And what they'll say is there was a replacement. Maybe it was Judas. Maybe it was Simon of Cyrene. And again, all of this doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit mm-hmm. that there's a substitute then he's going to come back yeah. and show the nails in his hand. Yeah. And don't forget, when they gathered together with the apostles who had been with him for three years, plus Mary was there, his own mother, she would have known it was not yes. her own son. So it doesn't hold water, this no idea way. of the substitute. Mm-mm. And then the one other one is a legend that Jesus never really existed. And this is what they call a mythicist, or he was just a myth. Well, again... There's very few serious historians today, believer, non-believer, yeah. that will deny that Jesus lived. Right. He's located in time and space, geographically, mm-hmm. in so many different ways. They Even real severe critics of Christianity, like Bert Ehrman, they'll yeah. say, no, he lived. Uh, he lived in the Galilee. He was crucified. They might not believe his incarnation. They might not believe his resurrection and ascension, but they'll give you that. They'll say, no, anyone that doesn't, admit that Jesus was a real person who lived a real life and died, uh, doesn't know history, doesn't know how to interpret history at Mm -hmm. all. So those are some of the main ones out there. Again, what it comes down to, if you put this on a scale, David, what we just looked at, reasons to believe in the resurrection and reasons not to, the scale tips so heavily in this direction. Now, there's there's another way to prove it, and that's by accepting Jesus as your Savior. There's this interesting song which says, uh, I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives because he lives within me. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? In other words, you can have a personal experience. Now, people might say, well, that's not verifiable. Or, but it, it is your story, you know, that you met the risen Savior. Yes. And as a result, your life was changed. Mm-hmm. You know, so you have all of these kind of different angles that you can uh, yeah. approach it to, to show that, hey, maybe, the, uh, again, maybe there's somebody listening today that just never really looked at the evidence. But what gets me, David, is when you study other religious leaders mm-hmm. from all from time, from the Buddha yeah. through Confucius to Muhammad to Joseph Smith of Mormonism, et cetera, et cetera, these men came and they gave a teaching. Some of it was on morals. Some, they, they, they said they're a prophet or they're a very wise person. Yeah. 
and and they might even taught good morals. I'm not saying they didn't. Don't steal mm -hmm. and don't commit adultery and don't lie. But they're dead. They didn't answer yes. life's biggest problem, yeah. biggest biggest fear, biggest mystery, death. Jesus did. He tasted death for us. But more importantly, he rose from the dead. Yeah. The dead. The see the grave couldn't hold him. And because he lives, I'm going to go back and we'll finish up on First Corinthians. Yeah. Um, 15. Mm -hmm. uh, we only have a couple minutes left, but 1 Corinthians 15 will say this. His resurrection has direct impact for us even today oh, because yeah. it says, uh, number one, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says this, verse 51. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. This is our physical bodies, right? Yeah. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible. We shall not be. We shall be changed. In other words, he's saying this life is short. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's mm -hmm. a blink. It's eighty mm -hmm. years, ninety years, hundred mm -hmm. years max, generally speaking. Mm -hmm. But this is nothing compared to what we're going to get—a yeah. brand new body. It's because he rose first. He's called what mm -hmm. the called first fruits that came out of the ground. Now, therefore, as a result of that, look what he says in verse fifty-six and fifty-seven: The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then the final one. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. That's Amen all because that. of his resurrection. That is true. And that's such a great closing verse. Where he says, it is. My beloved brothers, be steadfast. See, here's the problem today. And immovable. Mm -hmm. Is, is, is as yeah. believers, we're not steadfast. We're not yeah. persistent. We, we, we vacillate. You yeah. know, we, we have a lot of people minimize their faith and they're not you know, complacent and all. He's saying, hey, come on. Yeah. This is a guy that's going to lose his head in a couple of years. I'm serious. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's been persecuted and robbed. And so, he I says, know. be steadfast, yeah. be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord knowing that your labor is not in vain. It's like this yeah. encouraging thing that yeah. comes at the end of this chapter all about the resurrection. It, 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 when you were saying that, you know, I was just thinking about, you know, we, we could do a whole show on how the, uh, the, the, uh, the apostles were killed. Oh, yeah. Peter was crucified, but he said, I have to be hung upside down. Yeah. I, I can't be, you know, hung the same way the Lord was. So, you know, when you see that transformation, there's also a quote here. Again, there's a lot of people that still think it's too late. And C.S. Lewis uh, wrote, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. That's a good quote. Yeah, like and so, yeah, I do too. And it's so true uh, to the listeners. I know in my case, you know, I just got into this with you, Jen, now, what, 14 years ago. And, um, you know, a big part of my life was already gone. But there's always time. Again, even when we look at the uh, the criminals on the cross with Christ, where he took uh, the one on his right, I believe, right, mm -hmm. to say from this moment on you'll be with me in paradise right before they died. It is never too late. That's a good point, David. Yeah. And, and you know, I was teaching in a village in, in Thailand once, and I, we were on this, you know, on this ground and we're just going back and forth with some villages. I said, if you're going to rest your salvation and your eternity on any teacher and any yeah. religious founder, base it on one whose title is called the resurrection and the life. <laughs> he answers life's big inevitability, biggest mystery, biggest fear, 
biggest whatever fill in the blank but he goes there and he's you know and there was a very interesting discussion with christopher hitchens i believe it was hitchens yeah and uh they said to him uh how do you know there's nothing after you die because he just said uh, i'm not worried when i die if i die there's yeah. nothing comes after that and the guy said the interviewer said how do you know that he just looked at him like mm-hmm. that well we we trust one who did die yes. and did come back and tell us what what does it profit a man to gain the whole world but lose his soul? There it is. Jesus told us something about mm-hmm. what's coming. Yeah. I rather believe Jesus on this matter than any of the most famous of all the atheists ever. Amen. Because Jesus is alive. And so as we yep. close off this show, thank you again for tuning in. This is 89.1 FM coming to you from Lorain, Ohio. And if you've heard the words we spoke, uh, particularly the scriptures yes. we shared, Think about it this this Easter season. You know that that uh, Jesus is alive and He wants to give you that new life. That's mm-hmm. it's sometimes I I don't know. I think some people get too locked up in religion, etc., cetera, yeah. etc., cetera, which is important in being part of a church and being mm-hmm. a member of the church. But you want to encounter the living Savior, and He will impart to you His Holy Spirit. He can give you a brand new life. And I, you're never gonna. I've never heard. A uh, Christian on his deathbed ever regretted the fact that he accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. True. <laughs> so that, no, thanks, David. Yeah. Great thanks, show. Jen. Have a great weekend, everybody. God bless you.